praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The presence of the Lord has flooded this sanctuary. I wish you were here. The presence of the Lord is just flowing in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I often have said in, in this greeting time that we pray that the blessing of the Lord from here will go to there, to your home. But I kind of feel like today it's the opposite happening as well. The blessing you're feeling there at home is coming here to flood this sanctuary. And the blessing that is filling this sanctuary is going there and going through the, the airwaves and uh, all the technology to reach your home and, and vice versa. This is an awesome God that we serve. Indescribable. There aren't words to that we could put together that would describe this moment that we feel right now. And I believe this is just a precursor of what God has in store for us as a church, as a body of believers, that we are at the threshold of finding the fulfillment of God for this ministry and for our lives. God is responding to our brokenness before him. He is responding to our obedience before him. He's responding to our sacrifice before him. That is God looking to take frail vessels, fragile vessels, cracked vessels, and to use them for his glory. We just have to be willing to place ourselves in his hand, in the potter's wheel, be able to let him mold us and shape us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord forevermore you may be seated in your place just before this whole pandemic started our church had been receiving prophetic words from the Lord particularly at the close of last year and into the opening of this year and in January when we were at a time of prayer we kept talking and praying about a prophetic word that God spoke to our church about the best is yet to come, that there is a powerful blessing just laying ahead that we're going to be showered with. And what's interesting about that prophetic word is, honestly, we, we were not asking the Lord for those things. We just simply, as a ministry and as a, a leadership team in this house, just pursuing after God, chasing after God as we sing the song. That's all we've been doing. And following after the presence of the Lord and his glory in our lives and going to that altar of brokenness, that place where you can come to the Lord as a frail human being with all the imperfections, that altar of brokenness, that metaphoric altar of brokenness and just lay there before the Lord and, and let his mercy and grace reach us. And the Lord has spoken to us and we were we have banked on that word in the sense that we've taken it into our hearts and we are in anticipation, but it was not anything we were looking for. Isn't it amazing that God will often give you things that you're not even looking for? When he sees you trusting him and that he can trust you, all of a sudden he gives you blessings that you weren't even anticipating. But church, I, I really feel com compelled and this moment of worship confirms it in my heart the sermon that I have for you this, uh, this day, this Sunday, 
And that is that we need to make preparations for the coming blessing. I know the Lord spoke. I believe the Lord spoke. It's been confirmed. Something inexplicable is approaching us. The doors and windows of heaven are about to open over our church, over our families, over our ministry team, over this house. And you may say, but what's going to happen? I trust God, so I haven't even gotten to asking those questions. I just know that we need to be prepared. Because if God gives you a huge deluge of blessings and you're just waiting for a sprinkling of blessing, you're going to waste what the Lord is doing over your life. And I believe so much of what we need to do as leaders and the church needs to do as a body of believers and this ministry has to do as an agency for shining light into dark places and being the salt of the earth is to be able to be prepared for this immense blessing that's coming our way. Something we did not ask for nor pray for, but it's coming our way. And don't think for a moment that this um, COVID-19 was an obstacle. I believe that this moment, God has used it so that we can prepare. We can prepare being isolated from each other. We can prepare in our personal walk with God. We can prepare in what we're doing is preparing actually to get back together so that we can come back stronger, more ready to be able to do the Lord's bidding. And we're not coming back to what was. We're coming back to something new. We're not coming back to go back to old ways. But rather, we need to already reset in our minds that God is unleashing for us incredible possibilities things that we never even dreamed of. And, and church, I am not just speaking about when the Lord spoke church, he just didn't mean this ministry. He meant your family. He meant your home. He meant your, he meant your children. He meant your home life, the situation that you're facing right now. God is about to pour out his blessing, but we need to prepare. And you know that I've been teaching over the last uh, weeks on uh, a series that I've been exploring with Job, going to the story of Job all over again. And, and today I want to take it to the last chapter, the 42nd chapter, and talk about there because I believe everything that Job went to was to take him to this place of supernatural blessing. He did not know it in the beginning, in chapter 1. He did not know it when all the news was coming back that you lost your, your riches, you lost your your, your cattle, you lost the herds, you lost your property, you lost your children. He, he didn't realize it then. You lost your health, almost lost his wife and almost lost his three friends. He's lost his reputation. He didn't know it then. But you know, church, sometimes the Lord doesn't tell us how the story is going to end because that might ruin us on the journey to getting to that end. That might change our perspective so God holds back on telling us what exactly it's going to look like on the other side. And he lets us journey so that we can examine our relationship with the Lord as we're moving forward. And Job did not know that the latter would be greater than what he had before. He just kept trusting. That's why he declared, I know that my Redeemer lived, because he wasn't basing his relationship with God on possessions and on circumstances. He was basing a relationship with God on what we just sang. He knew who he was. When he said, I, I thought I knew you, but now I see you. Jehovah Rochi. 
And so he is moving forward simply because of God in his life. And, and isn't that what you're doing in your home? Isn't that what we're doing here in this church? Isn't that what we're doing as a, as a ministry? We're moving forward because we, we trust the Lord. We're moving forward with our plans to reconvene because we're trusting the Lord. We're moving forward when resources dry up in other places. We're moving forward because we trust the Lord. And I get out of chapter 42 some elements that applied in Job's life, but certainly applied to them to us today. I'm going to focus on verses 7 through 17. And if we look at verse 7, 8, and 9, what comes out shouting, now there's, there's many angles you could take to this passage of Scripture. But the angle that I feel that is necessary for us to explore today is, church, the importance of prayer. The importance of prayer. Two important factors of prayer. It says in the text that the Lord was able to hear Job's prayers for his friends because Job interceded for them. Their advice and counsel was not always spiritual, not always moral, not always the right thing to say. In fact, even in their conversations, they led Job astray from his relationship and focus in God. Not that he lost his relationship, but were skewing him away. And they offended God by doing those kinds of things. And, Lord, and, and, and Jehovah God said that he would forgive his friends if Job interceded for them. And, uh, and that's what he did. And it says clearly that God uh, dealt with his friends. They did not speak the truth about God. Uh, they, were, they were brought into a place of repentance. And, and, and then they returned to Job. Uh, but God accepted Job's prayers. Think about it for a moment. Job had nothing else to offer God. In the beginning of the story, he would offer sacrifices to God so that God would protect his children. Here, he has nothing left. He has nothing else to offer God but a dialogue, a conversation with God. Church, I'm here to submit to you today that we need to put as a priority for our own development an active prayer life. And it takes two, and it's twofold that we have to do. We have to do that one-on-one -on -one relationship with God through prayer, that I speak to Him. Oftentimes we pray better, we think we pray better or more effectively when we have two or three people cheering us on. But you know what? God wants to hear your prayer, your voice, when you're scraping the scales off of your skin and your friends have abandoned you. You have to have that one-in-one -in -one relationship with God when everyone else is saying other things, but you're staying the course with God. That's the first element of prayer. It's a personal dynamic that is so critical for you and I to have and to maintain. If you're praying only when we gather for worship, you're not praying enough. If you're praying for your family only when, we have, when we're praying for requests and petitions, you're doing your family a disservice. You need to take time out and seek after the Lord personally. But the second dynamic is what we will be able to do pretty soon when we open up our building again and reconvene the church. And that is that we need to pray as a group corporately and join our faith one with the other. Before we started the service today, we, we prayed off camera with, uh, with Sister Betsy and and walked uh, and, and put our faith around her so that uh, she can navigate through some challenges that she's, that she's facing. She's prayed alone on her own to God, but 
The collective prayer is also important. And we will do that, church. We will be praying together again. But we need to keep those two things in tandem. And here, Job was able to pray for God and, and he, to God, and he interceded for his friends. Church, we need to make prayer part of what we do. One of the things that I'm looking forward to doing before we call you back to worship here, and we'll give you the date. It's not, we're not ready to give it to you. We have a lot to do in the building yet to get it ready. And you might say, yes, but everybody's saying, let's do it. Uh, never mind what other people are saying. What we're going to do is we're going to wait on the Lord. And we're going to do the right thing to make sure this place is as safe as possible for you, for us, for all of us, never mind other people. But one of the things I'm looking forward to doing before we reopen this building is to call in the pastors to join me in a time of prayer in this building. You know why? Because the glory cloud of God doesn't follow a building, it follows the church. You have to remember that. So when we left here two months ago, two plus months ago, the glory of God left and went to your home, went to my home, and is there in your home and went in my home. We need to call back the glory of God to this place. Hallelujah. I feel the presence of the Lord even right now as I'm anticipating this moment of corporate prayer. Hallelujah. We need to sanctify the seats, sanctify the walls, sanctify the doors. Anoint this place once again so that no virus can enter into this house. Hallelujah. Corporate prayer. We're going to do that with the leadership. I'm also looking at scheduling some time so that we can do, and you say, well, praying through Zoom is not enough. It's not, it certainly is not enough, and it's not the right thing to do. And listen, God listens to arrow prayers. He listens to prayers when I'm in the car driving, when you're in the elevator. God listens to prayers. And to gather us together, those that can do it and everybody needs to do it and gather and pray before the Lord and seek after the Lord before we sing our first song in this place as a corporate body once again. I'm telling you, that's going to open the doors for God's provision. That's also going to send a firing warning to the sky, to the spiritual sky. Devil, you don't belong in this place. You don't belong in my house. Sickness, you don't belong in this place. You don't belong in my body. Hallelujah. That's going to be done through prayer. So prayer is a key element in our preparation for the coming blessing. The other thing is we need to do a mindset change. If you look at verses 10, 11, and 12, it speaks to this. It says that after Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much. And God replaces what you lost. He replaces double. God never takes away from what you lost and gives you less. God always gives you more if you live a righteous life before him if you live a pious life for him i know we've lost these weeks where we haven't been able to to get together oh but what's coming church is going to be greater than anything we left here think about the best service you enjoyed in this worships in this in this building as we worship together in the past well what's coming is going to be greater than any one of those services those moments when you couldn't hold back the tears, when you wanted to fall to the ground, when you wanted to, you feel like when we sing that song in Spanish, that God is undoing you. Those moments, get ready. Get ready because that's what's coming our way. God never gives you less than what you lost. He always gives you what you lost plus. And it says here that God gave Job twice as much. And he had. You would say he probably didn't have, he, he didn't have the capacity for that. No, but the trial gave him the capacity for the more than. The trying moments developed his character, his personality, his trusting in God.
that now he was wait, he was ready. It says in the text that the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former. Come on, let's be honest with each other. PCC can't complain. God has been very, 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 very good to us. He's been a good God. We've been riding the, the crest of the favor of God over this ministry. We've gone through some ups and downs, some battles, some things that have happened. And we won't go back to any of that stuff because what's the point? The point here is that God has been really gracious to us. Our building is, is located in, a, in the hot spot of Manhattan, the most important island in the entire world. We are here within walking distance of anything that you want and you think about enjoying in New York City. God's been very, very, very good to us. Hallelujah. But what's coming, oh church, what's coming? Hallelujah. This will pale in comparison to what God is going to do. The doors that are going to open, the possibilities that are going to be here for us, the people that will walk into this place, the way ministry will be expanded. But we need to get ready. We need to prepare. God will restore for the humble, the contrite, the given, the broken before him. And please don't think that God is waiting to pour his blessings about, uh, upon, upon people that are pristine and all put together. No, he's looking for frail vessels that honor him. People that understand that they have not reached perfection, but they love the Lord. People that don't think that they're all that and some more. They, we just realize that we're frail, broken vessels before God. And that we're willing to bow down to him. And God takes those burnt stones that society has cast aside, that life has trampled over, and God decides to make us over again into vessels of honor, as Paul would speak in his pastoral epistles. Praise the Lord for a moment with me. Hallelujah, glory to God. We need to be ready. We need to know that God will always give more than what you had before. God can trust you now more, so he'll give you more. The third aspect that I see in this preparation is not just prayer, and not just understanding, having a new mindset, resetting ourselves uh, so that we can see that more is coming, but also, you know, the blessing of the Lord is so funny. <laughs> it, it, it's hilarious, it's ridiculous, it's absurd, it's ludicrous. Because look at this, verses 13, 14, and 15. When we are faithful to God, when we pass the test of the trial and tribulation, the future blessing covers people that weren't expecting to be covered by that blessing. I believe that when the blessing of the Lord finally arrives here, the promise that God has for this ministry finally arrives here, I believe our neighbors are connected to this building by our side, behind us, and in front of us are going to be blessed as well. I believe when the blessing of the Lord reaches your home, this uh, showering of God's goodness and benevolence in every area over your home, even your wayward children will receive blessings from God. Even family that don't believe that it was God, that thought that they were being lucky, however they believe it, because of your faithfulness, because of you holding on to God, because of you weathering the storm, because of us individually weathering the storm, God is going to bless us, but even those that don't expect the blessing are going to get the blessing. But I can say that and it sounds good, but let's go to the text, 13, 14, and 15. It says that he also, this is afterwards now, he also had seven sons, and it says, and three daughters. Now, let's back up for a moment to the way the Bible is written. The Old Testament does not take much time to highlight, the, to highlight the female gender. Let me just be right up front with you. That is not me saying it. That's study the scripture and you will see. 
the Old Testament really highlights males, male names and male figures. You'll see some females sprinkled in there. But why? 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 Here in chapter 42, in verses 13, 14, and 15, the Lord is telling, the, the, the writer is saying, he also gave him seven sons and three daughters. And the only ones that are named are the three daughters. Where are the names of the son if the Old Testament is replete with examples of the male figure being the one that's head of the household, head of the tribe, head of the nation, the one with the anointing? The women were not expecting, these three daughters were not expecting to be named. I doubt if they were expecting because that was not the tradition. But you know what? Because of Job's faithfulness, hallelujah, the blessing came over him and his household but even those that were not expecting the rich blessings of God were sprinkled with the rich blessings of God. But wait, before you go crazy with amens, when it came to the moment of distributing the inheritance, the inheritance normally goes to the males in the home. It says here in the text that not only were they named the three daughters, but they shared in the inheritance of the new blessing of the Lord. Come on, you can praise the Lord right now. Hallelujah. There's something strange about God rewarding faithfulness. There's something unusual about God honoring you when you've weathered the storm, when you've weathered the being alone, when you've weathered the scraping of your skin, when you've lost your friends and your riches, and it seems like life is over, you don't have your health anymore, but you hold on to God. That holding on to God will produce blessings. Hear me, church, blessings to people that don't even expect them. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It says in the text that their, their father granted them an inheritance along with their brothers. You know what that means? That Job elevated his daughters to the same level, culturally the same level, culturally the same level as the brothers. That is amazing. Read it on your own and you'll see it. And, and look at the names of the, the one daughter was named, her name means bird of peace. The other daughter, her name was called Sweet Fragrance. The third daughter, her name means protect, look at this, protector of the vision. You need to capture this because to capture the fresh blessing, we must first embrace peace and have a life of sweet fragrance of worship in order to protect the vision. That's what God is doing over this house. It doesn't matter whether we're called PCC or whatever we're called. What matters here is there are a group of people that have decided to follow Jesus and we're not turning back, we're not turning back, we're not turning back. So God is not blessing the building. God is not blessing the denomination. God is not blessing whatever tradition we want to elevate. God is blessing a group of men and women and children and young people that have decided to follow after the Lord. And we need to prepare for the blessing that is coming. Praise the Lord. The last observation that I have. And I said that we need to pray. We need to understand that what's coming is greater than what, uh, than what is re replacing. We need to understand that the future blessing will cover the unexpected. In this case, it was the daughters. But also, it says in the closing verses 16 7, and 17, it says, After this, Job lived 140 years. He saw his children and their children to, to the fourth generation. And so Job died an old man and full of years. So the blessing also is that God gave him long life. 
140 years. Listen, it is with sorrow and sadness that I come to you and tell you the following. I am of the opinion that too many people have died from COVID-19. Right now, in this country, the number is ticking up to 100,000 deaths. One death is too much. But here we are grieving, and I've had to do in all of the years that I've pastored. I've never, ever done an interminable cemetery like what I had to do a few weeks ago and what I'm scheduled to do coming up soon again. And that is you go there, family members can't be there. They can't be there. They have to stay in their cars. They haven't seen their loved ones. And it's horrible. It's horrible. Death is horrible right now. It's horrible. You can't go to the, to the funeral home. You can't, you can't commiserate with one another and grieve with one another in the way we're used to. And that's just a human desire. So one person passing away is horrible. 100,000 is, is not even imaginable. You know, our, our condolences to people that are, have lost and some of you that have lost loved ones. But think about it for a moment. For some reason, you're not in those tallies. I know of pastors that passed away. I'm still alive. You have friends and relatives that have passed away, neighbors and co-workers. But you are still alive. We have to, with tender human dignity, weep with those that weep, cry with those that cry, value the loss that people have suffered. But there is a reason why you're still standing and I'm still standing. And I believe it is to carry forth the work of the Lord. You have purpose in your life, potential for your future. God's not done with you or with me yet. Those plans of going off into the sunset, put them away. God has plans for you and for me. Your plans of this is it, I'm leaving the city or I'm going to or whatever it is, I'm moving. You have to put those things away. God has a plan over your life and our life. This church has a bright and promising future. We have work to do. And the blessing of God is that we need to prepare, not for the next three months, but we need to prepare moving forward as if the Lord is going to tarry for a while. He's going to come for a, for a That's the way we need to work. And it's not going back to the same old, same old of yesterday. It's recreating, reimagining, looking at what we've been doing that possibly uh, we can do better now. And examining those and not thinking, well, this is it for me. This sickness did not kill you. Whatever sickness you have in, the in your body is not going to kill you. God has plans over your life. You need to use the gifts and abilities that you have to move forward. Yes, you can't run the way you used to run when you were 20, 15, or whatever it was. 20 or 15. I don't mean 20, 15, but 20, 15 years old. But you can move forward. Your life is an example to others to bring motivation. So church, you and I need to prepare so that we can see the next generation coming up and doing incredible feats of ministry, that we can be a witness to how uh, one of the things that ha has come out, and I'm going to close now in prayer, but one of the things that has, co has come out in all of this is that so many churches right now 
did not know what to do with millennials and Gen Xers and the younger generation, and they didn't have programs. And tell me something, we can't even transmit our services. Nobody can transmit our services without them helping us plug in things. What is God saying? Huh? What is God saying to old guys like me? What is God saying to people that are around? We thought that that was it. No, God is lifting up a new generation, and we're going to see men and women, young kids coming up and doing things that we were never, never thought possible. Never, ever thought possible. Hallelujah. We need to be prepared. To get back to preaching the gospel, to sharing the, the light of the gospel into, the, into dark places, talking about the transformative work of showering people with grace. We need to continue doing that. But God has decided to expand us and to let us know that we need to prepare for this incredible blessing that is coming. Father, I thank you for this time that you have given me, Lord. I, I sense confirmation today that it was important, vitally important, Lord, for this sermon to happen this day. And I pray, Lord, for our church. We want to be ready. We want to be ready, Lord. We can't sit on accomplishments of the past. We cannot. We refuse to, Lord. We can now become maintenance people that gather and go back to the way things were before. You have spoken to us even in the middle of this trial. Lord, you have spoken to us that we might be prepared, Lord, that we might uh, allow the Holy Spirit to search us and examine us deeply that we may let go of, of anger, vindictiveness, that we may learn to forgive, that we may eradicate ourselves of, of the, the, these uh, bitter uh, things and roots of bitterness that are inside of us and cover us, dear Lord, and help us that we can emerge stronger, better than ever before. I pray for your people today, Lord. I pray for this church that we might be able, Lord, to listen to your voice and have the courage to carry forward the mission you have placed over our lives. I pray for every household nearby and far away. Reach our children. Bring families together. Reach our loved ones, Lord, that we may honor you with everything that we have. Holy Spirit, mold us and shape us so that we can prepare for the coming blessing. In Jesus' name I pray.